Get convenient, safe, and secure counseling today. Connect with a therapist of your choosing in minutes by taking the online survey. Use the code word APOLOG to get seven days free when you go to betterhelp.com slash APOLOG. If you want to support my work on a monthly basis, please go to patreon.com slash APOLOG. Pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis to help with my hosting and transportation fees. You can cancel any time. You can subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Please give it five stars anytime. Like and share on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash Pod. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SimonHead666. And don't forget Spotify. Spotify is a new endeavor for the podcast, and I have about 187 episodes up there. And, and, and they're going up daily because I just keep – I have to change one little part in every single um, podcast episode so it does recognize to be on – Spotify. It's it's not fun. So anyways, do that. Today on the show, I have Woody Woodburn, who is a singer-songwriter based out of Rockwood, Ontario. A solid name for a town, Rockwood, Ontario. Woody and I just kind of met based on this Lois Lodoc. He sort of gave me some props, and I said, hey, we, you do stuff. Let's do stuff. And he showed me some of his music, and his music's quite nice. He also plays a lot of solo stuff all over Ontario. All of his tour dates, show dates, will be all over. will be on the description of the podcast Yes, Woody is always struggling with the corporate identity of music today. He is an independent musician and has always been that. Um, there were some chances back in the older days when his other bands were it could have been on a major label and he chose not to, or it just didn't happen. Anyways, Woody and I had this great conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Woody Woodburn on the Apple Out Podcast. Good. Well, uh, I've started. Thank you so much for doing this. It's so good to meet you. Uh, nice to, uh, you know, uh, make acquaintances along the way here. Thanks to the mighty Facebook and all that yeah. good stuff. And uh, where where are you? Where do you live right now? Where where do you live? I'm in Rockwood, which is about ten minutes outside of Guelph. Okay. okay. Is that north of Guelph? Uh, just I would say east of Guelph. Okay. Yeah, been here for about eight years. I grew up in uh, Mississauga. Okay, yeah, yeah. What what took you out that way? Um, family and friends. Everyone just seemed to be getting out of Mississauga as it was getting busier, yeah. and uh, everyone ended up. Uh, most of my family and friends ended up in Acton, and I was there for a couple of years. And then I met my wife there, and then we bought out here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, smaller and, town. I just love small towns. Yeah, I mean, I kind of grew up in a smaller place too, and then moved to the city, and eventually moved back out of the city. But um, so, so you you you've played music your your whole life. What what kind of what what was the earliest parts of your musical uh, journey? Uh, well, I learned guitar at about sixteen. Just my cousin taught me a few chords, and then uh, pretty much. Uh, taught myself from there, but as far as vocally, I was singing in church choirs like when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and um, I'm I'm more of a singer than a than a guitar player. Um, but my first band was I believe I was 19 or 20, and that was Snapper in the 90s, and um, so I did that for about three or four years, I believe, and uh, I'd say we did fairly well for ourselves. Um, and that's we played Edgefest one year. We were on the CFMY disc, and you and I have shared. I think we probably shared the stage one time because I know Trip Trigger Happy, and uh, we played with Rusty and the Monoxides and Super Garage and that whole scene. Yeah, the early '90s is my Trigger Happy. Very short, actually, mind you, like a year and a half, two years, and then I went and moved to Winnipeg and joined a band called Red Fisher, uh, and then I ended up moving back to Toronto uh, after working for many, many bands. I, I tour managed and did sound for I well, I did sound for SNFU and 
yeah. good riddance and all those sort of punk rock, like uh, mid nineties punk rock stuff. And, yeah. um, but yeah, Rusty was one of those bands I worked for. And I do remember the name Snapper. I mean, it's a pretty, uh, rememberable name. So yeah, it was, a uh, our logo was the Snapple logo, the juice Snapple. I, yeah. So, I totally remember your band. Yeah. What, what year was that? What era? Like mid nineties, like 95 ish. Uh, I'd say 96 was probably our biggest year. Uh, that's when we were on the CFNY disc. Of course, that was the first year they didn't have a big prize, but we did play Edge Fest. Um, yeah, so 95, 96, 97, around there. That's when Edge Fest was up at Bolson Park, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and they had the the other stage. They had the smaller stage up by, uh, it was sort of out by the highway. Um, exactly. The yeah. Stage, yeah. I was out there, I think, was it 90? I want to say it was 97 that I was out there with Treble Charger. It might have been yes, 98 yeah. or 99, though. I'm just yeah. trying to put it all together. But yeah, Edge Fest... It was with Finger Eleven. Uh, it was a. Uh, it was a. Uh, who's oh a hole was on that. What what, mm. what who was on your bill when you were there? I think it was Our Lady Peace and Ashton McIsaac. Okay, so way different, way different. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ashley McIsaac on Edge Fest. I worked for I know, him I... too for a little bit. He's batshit crazy man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I've heard stories. I worked with Pete Pelesnik a little bit, and Pete produced him and uh so i've heard some stories and my family's from cape breton so i know all about asher mccusick yeah did you say pete hudson uh pete perlesnick Perlesn oh sorry you cut out there for a sec okay yeah. yeah 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 and and so like the canadian music business and the canadian music scene was a different vibe back then obviously it for was sure. like different you know pre-internet pre-myspace yeah. pre-all that other crap and yeah, uh, when I Google Snapper now, like all I can come up with is uh, a used CD for sale. That like, and other stuff. Book. Probably some other stuff yeah. too. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, like we could, I, I feel like back then we couldn't even afford the internet. Like, like we couldn't afford to have a website. Like, nope. We didn't have an internet. I didn't have the internet until uh, it had to be 90, 98, 99 when we got an actual yeah. computer. And now and I have that, 20 was, of them. The cool thing about it is, is we had to rely on human connection, which was really cool. And that's why it felt like a real scene back then. Yeah. Yeah. So bands you kind of looked up to back then, what, what, what bands were you uh, aspiring to be with and better than? I'd say as far as indie Canadian, like Head and Slow Burn, I think are way up there some of my favorite records were like counting crows and weezer kind of kind of all over the map to be honest uh beatles uh but growing up was like neil young and blue rodeo and stuff like that which era blue rodeo because there there are different eras of blue rodeo for sure uh probably five days in july and it era yeah yeah i so, liked casino a lot for so i liked casino yeah. i like five days in july but casino seemed to be the one that really took me though i liked outskirts yeah. too when i was in high school outskirts was out i liked them all to be honest but i think five days in july was when i was really taking music a little more seriously at that point so mm -hmm. that's when i got into it a little more i think they were my first concert to be honest uh i think it was kumbaya festival at ontario place and I believe it was Asha McIsaac again and Blue Rodeo. I think that was my first concert. What? What? When was? Oh, that was, was that when was at the Forum? Yeah. Uh, was it called the Forum? Is that the Spinning Stage? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely Spinning Stage for sure. That's yeah. I remember uh, Kumbaya Festival. There was one that uh, this the lowest of low played. Uh, not famously, but it was one of these ones they played, and I have some. There is some YouTube footage of them playing uh, the Kumbaya Festival around '96, I would say, around that. Amazing, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, yeah. um, yeah. So I mean, when you we were talking about Five Days in July, Five Days in July is, is sort of a, a combination of all those records, all kind of made into this beautiful package. Like it's all mm -hmm. their music and what they were doing and what they ended up doing. You know what I mean? It was sort of their crank their pivot into being who they are yeah exactly yeah. yeah i just i don't know i just loved everything about them the harmonies the the songwriting uh i could play it and sing it at the same time like that was a big thing for me 
Yeah. You know? So, uh, Ron, Ron, Ron Hawkins ended up opening up for them as the do good assassins. And he told me the story and I'll tell it because it's a very funny story. And Greg and Jim were walking sort of behind backstage into their dressing room and Greg sitting and talking and, and Jim's not low. Jim is talking and Greg's not listening. And, and, and Jim's like, are you even listening to me? And Greg turns around and goes, are you talking? And that's what Ron heard backstage. Like, wait, you're, you're talking. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, during COVID, actually, I organized three uh, drive-in concerts where I opened for Jim Cuddy. So that was pretty cool. Where where were those drive drive-ins? Georgetown, Alora, and Shelburne. Okay. Yeah. Partnered yeah. up with a couple of buddies for uh, production, and uh, so yeah, I mean, made something out of COVID, and to be able to play with Jim Cuddy was amazing. Yeah, I, I did a few of those. I played one or two, but I also worked a few. And the funniest one was with Platinum Blonde because he was trying to figure out, like, Mark Holmes, like, what does that mean? What? How do they clap? I said, well, they beep their horns. He goes, I don't like that. That's what he said. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't I like, like it. I don't like that. It took, it took me till about halfway through our set to actually get into it. It is a weird vibe. I worked a few. When I worked, I worked for the city of Richmond Hill, and we we put on some parking lot shows. Uh, and there was this moment when the sun is kind of going down and, and everybody's sort of got it playing in their car and there's this yeah. nice quiet hum and it felt just like a drive-in movie to me. Yeah. They, yeah. They, and then, then you know, the, that was like the greatest compromise of all, but it felt good for that, like maybe just that twilight moment when the sun sun's kind of just going down. For sure, yeah. And, and since we were responsible for the security, security wasn't too tight and... Uh, People were getting out of their cars and, and partying anyway. So, yeah, was, uh, there was a lot of rules. Out. Yeah, a lot of rules. Like, you can't get, yeah, there was, well, we did one and everybody's out of their car and people were freaking out. You got to get back in your car. And I it's know. like, yeah. I'm not going in there because we were like, yeah, everybody was afraid. You know, yeah. we did yeah. one. Uh, I play, I play, I do, we do a Huey Lewis in the news thing and we ended up playing in a DeLorean pulled up to the front like a real DeLorean with the doors yeah. and everything. Yeah. And we start playing and then he had like a smoke machine and he had like played smoke and had his own little light show as we're playing this parking lot Maybe. show. Pretty, pretty fun, pretty fun moment. But um, do you think, do you think now that someone would do a drive-in show, a parking lot show just now for like old time's sake? I don't see it. I don't see it. No, me neither. Um, I think, I think production costs, was a big thing too. It was a little more cost to put it on. Um, I'd rather do like uh, just a an empty field uh, sort of thing if I was going to do another show. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, prices are just, I just can't wrap my head around the prices. Like I, um, everyone's trying to make their money back and it's really hard to put on your own show. Yeah, no, definitely. As a promoter, you, you're taking huge risk to 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 make some make some have some memories and you know and you want the people to buy in and not not all the time they do yeah and it's hard to get that right fit you know cost versus draw and uh sponsorship obviously you know covid was a tough time to be getting asking for sponsorship Every, everyone was having a hard time mm-hmm. so yeah but, uh, i wish someone reinvented the way streaming was done though no one really did they just sort of like, it was sort of this, meh, we'll just see what happens. And the sound up nub wasn't always great. And it was always like, there's just no way that anybody could really make money on it because no one figured it out. You know, it was like a donation thing on uh, a PayPal donation thing. And you'd play Lee's Palace and the sound was garbage. And it just, you know, it was just like, I wish someone would have reinvented it. Yeah. I don't know how, I mean, I, I don't know how that, happened like i mean last year i had 2000 not a lot of streams but 2000 streams on spotify and that's eight bucks (laughs) and it's like you know back in the day we were making decent money as snappers selling cds off the stage Mm -hmm. and uh yeah it's pretty sad well it's this whole idea now of like going out and playing and 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 trying not to get roped in by what's called the 360 deal or the full circle deal or whatever they call it um where now record companies can be part of your merchandise and part you know they're not only just grabbing part of your show income but they're they're grabbing your merch income which is yeah. 
Yeah. That's sacred, sacred land. You can't yeah. take that. That's how bands make their money. And to be able to sort of take time, and you know, you're you're a musician. You play music. You're a musician that goes and plays. You your your job is playing music. Um, it's it's so difficult to be able to um, make a monetary living unless you're just working every single day. Uh, I met a guy on the show here called Pedro the Lion, and he's like a indie guy, and he was touring around in his car playing acoustic guitar. And Pedro the Lion's like they are a pretty big band, and that's yeah. how he was making his money is driving around in his car, like you know. And he's getting hundreds of thousands of plays on Spotify. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a sad state of affairs. You know how yeah. we how are we going to fix it? I guess there's Patreon, there's also crowdfunding and things like that. Um, what what do you think about all that stuff? I don't know what to think about it. Um, I try not to complain about it because for me to be able to do music full time, I just have to focus on positives and and look at it as an easy way to get my music out there. Like it was, you know, for example, getting my music to you was was very quick and and you know hopefully more people are hearing my music even though they're not paying for it um that's why i have to look at it uh a lot of the online stuff like um getting views and and, and patreon is just it's not my forte and i can't i've tried to focus on it mm -hmm. um but i just have to you know do what i do and and trust the universe and and because if I don't, then I'll hit a wall and won't be motivated. Mm -hmm. So that's the way, the way I have to look at it. How many shows do you do a year? Uh, I'm doing about three to five a week. Now, a lot of those are cover shows. Sure. Um, and, you know, to pay the bills, I've been doing some uh, nursing homes and retirement homes. and. Uh, Mostly breweries, so three to five a week on average, four, I guess. So it's a lot, but that's the only way I can do it full time. You know, did you play up in Norland, like maybe just before Christmas? Up, but there's a retirement home up that way. Because my sister in law, so. my sister in law, played me some. Now I'm just trying putting this together. How what a small world it would be that you played um, my wife's grandfather's because uh, there was a performer playing kind of like Americana-ish type of music. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, and now I look at your face and I see the video. I'm like, maybe he did play it. It's like up by, uh, you know where it is, up by Halflock area. I don't think I've played up that far north at a nursing home. That'd be cool it's if it was. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it, there's something to, you know, that is, you know, to be able to just go and, and play all the time, it's, it, to me, it's fascinating, you know, like, because I, I have a job. I, I also do other things, but the only reason I can do other things is because I have a job, you know, and, yeah, and, you know, exactly. and there's a huge commitment made for someone to make it their life and then yeah. rearrange their life to work around the ups and downs of being in the music business. Yeah. And, you know, how, do, how do you like, you know, how is like your yearly, like you, you must have like a budget to work from. Like, how do you, how do you do it? <laughs> um, to be honest, um, I don't know. But again, I just do what I do, do what I'm good at, and, and trust the universe, trust the process. Um, I quit my day job four years ago, and just over four years ago. Well, uh, June will be five. And um, there was a point when I decided to quit music because i'm like i just can't do this anymore this doing the shit, shitty day job monday to friday the last thing i want to do is go to toronto and play music on friday and saturday for 100 bucks or 150 bucks at the time mm -hmm. and uh, and i had a spiritual advisor at the time and he was a songwriter and he basically said um do you think you could take three months off work to write music and i'm like no like i, I have a mortgage I, there's no way. And, um, and that's just started the process. Uh, we had got my, my wife up and running with a salon in our, in our basement. So without her support, I wouldn't have done it. Um, but she pushed me to do it. And uh, within a month of that first question, can you take three months off? I, 
decided to quit my day job and went and wrote an EP with my buddies and and that was it. And then I just I don't put too much planning into anything. I just kind of do what feels right. And because when I put too much thought into it, it just doesn't work for me. I just mm-hmm. I just have to I don't know. I don't want to say fly by the seat of my pants, but I just kind of let things happen organically. Because if I'm not in in that headspace, I'm not creating the way I need to. Because then I'm focusing on what I'm not good at. So that's yeah. basically how I do it. Yeah, and it's so difficult these for today's musician because you do have to be proficient at um, networking yourself and creating a brand and all these things that artists 20, 30 years ago would roll their eyes and say, oh, you know, but it's now it's crucial to do these things. So, you know, I always said, you know, um, this is similar, but different, but a similar idea when they banned cigarette smoking in coffee shops. I said, how many great novels aren't being written right now because you can't smoke in the coffee shop where you're supposed to be writing these great novels. And the similar thing is the same thing in this vein of music is that, if you're too busy making your brand and your identity online, where's the time to make good music? Where is that yeah, time? Yeah. How do you do it? And, and, and who, who said you need to be a great conversationalist and network to be a great songwriter? Who made those rules up, right? Exactly. So it's very tricky. It's very tricky. And what I find now, too, is because on any given night, I could be playing 36 songs. And I could be doing, you know, potentially four shows in in two or three days. I don't want to touch the guitar after that for mm-hmm. for days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I run into that as well. Um, and a lot of my time is spent trying to get gigs and and getting my name out there and all of that. So yeah. um, there's never enough, even though even though I don't have a day job, it still doesn't seem enough like enough time to be creating. Yeah, there's never enough time. No, and you're you're absolutely right. That's why, you know, there's there's usually a team of people dealing with that yeah. stuff. And if you don't have the money or the the budget to be able to afford to have someone manage your affairs, then it's like a, a never ending circle of like, okay, go find the gigs, and now okay, I'm too busy to write. So then, oh, now I'm writing, I got no gigs. Like it's just never ending circle of like work i had i used to own and operate my own recording studio same thing if i wasn't recording i was looking for recording work so i was making tons of dough recording bands but that was and then then i'd have nothing because i then i'd go find bands to record it was always it was always a tricky you know tricky run and and to be able to you know it's a matter of time you do it i think things start leveling off and you start understanding where your level is yeah or for me what my priority is and playing and connecting with people has to be the priority um you know obviously i put some time into the brand and and booking shows and stuff like that but playing and connecting has to be the the priority for me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how do you how do you do it you just you do cold calls and now, now you must be doing it for a few years you should be able to pick up i'll see you in six months kind of thing like and pick up gigs out of, out of that yeah, um, they're all different. Like, the majority of what I do is breweries, to be honest. And uh, I just love that vibe. And they're all different. Some of them I'm playing monthly. Some of them are once every three months. Um, but for the most part, I have the connections where it's almost automatic, uh, automatic rotation. Um, so that's kind of nice. That's kind of picking up, just getting the automatic uh, bookings. Um, um, but yeah, it's mostly cold calling, mm-hmm. um, a little video demo and, uh, cold calling. That's about it. Like I've played 31 breweries now from here to Newfoundland and, um, I just love the vibe. Like if I didn't play bars anymore, I'd be pretty happy. <laughs> not, not to mention the hours. Yeah. But yeah. Cause you'll play always, afternoon. Obviously I'd be ra- rather be playing theaters or, uh, you know, actual listening rooms. Um, and I do, but that's less often. So mm-hmm. to be able to make enough money to live is Reese has been doing it for me. Well, cool. Well, let's uh, let's play a song. Uh, you've sent me three. Which which song? Which song do you want to hear? 
Uh, well, we were talking about quitting the day job. So Better Man Today um, is the, the first, it's the title track from my first solo record. Mm -hmm. And it's about quitting the day job and a uh, little bit of a F you to the old boss as well. What was his name? Pat. Fuck Pat. <laughs> fuck you, Pat. Yeah, fuck Pat. But you know what? I had to, and I, I told him everything I didn't like about him. I put it in a full full page letter, but at the end I thanked him because I may not be doing music full time if it wasn't for him. If he so, hadn't been such a taskmaster prick, he'd probably still be there. Yeah, exactly. I know so, the feeling, man. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Pat. Yeah. yeah. So when you get your Juno, you'll be like, I'd like to thank Pat. Yeah, exactly. Here we go. Better man today. feels right I'm tired of pretending that you're not offending my life resistance is futile my friends together we can conquer this love is a potion to fix this emotional hell Shakespeare, my butt is probably one of the best Canadian records for me. Yeah, I've never seen them live, and it's driving what? me crazy. No, well, you know, there's I've a guy found... actually out your way in Curta in a, in Alora who puts on backyard shows with the Low, and they play it. His name's Curtis. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. He's also part well, of like the planning committee. They do that show in the park there in Alora by the Riverfest. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he. Yeah. He actually put the movie on at the the Gorge Cinema that we showed it there in September. Really? Yeah. Um, and they just put played the Onyx, I think, in Guelph. I couldn't make it. Yeah, that was a bit of a shit show. But well, uh, I yeah, think you know Steve, Stephen Gazzola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Stephen very well. well he, I actually interviewed him for the special uh, special edition uh, for the extra footage, extra stuff. Oh yeah. yeah, so he's a, he's a friend of mine. So he was trying to get me to go to that Onyx show. I just couldn't do it. I'm playing so much; it's hard to get out to shows. Yeah, I hear. You. And plus, that's the last thing you want to go back to work, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, for them, I would. But yeah, yeah, I'm their tour manager, so and sound guy. So whenever they're playing around, just let me know. I can I can hook you up. Whether it's in like Maxwell's or whatever in Kitchener, that's somewhat close, or London, or. Oh, yeah. 
right? But yeah. I don't think they'll be doing uh, Onyx again because that was a, just a, had this bit of a bit of a weird vibe going on. And I, yeah, it's a nightclub, isn't it? Yeah, and it's uh, <laughs> kind of small from what I, I've never been there, but I don't think it's big enough. Well, we got there and it was fine. Everything was cool. And then we did the show and it was kind of sold out. There's a lot of people there. And then they were like, we need to get everybody out of here because we've got the dance night show. And, you know, and they started cranking music so loud that my teeth hurt. And I actually went to the guy and I go, hey, man, you just turn down a little bit. I'm just trying to put stuff away. And where I am, it's the dance floor. So it's like smoking loud. And then the guy goes, well, I got a club to run. I said, well, yeah, we just filled your club full of people turn the music yeah. down and we'll be out of here in an hour. And then, and like nobody's showing up right now. You know what I mean? This is 12 o'clock at night. Maybe they'll show up at two. Give me an hour and I'll get everything out of here and you won't even know we're here. But it was, yeah. it was not a place that, uh, I, I will never going back there again, but, um, the, the person that put it on was the promoter was obviously a sweetheart and great person. And, but it was just that venue, man. Onyx brought to you by Onyx and Guelph. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I didn't go there. Yeah, but if you know the funny thing about Guelph, and I've been I've been going to Guelph for ever since I've played music, is we'd go play the Trashteria or the Albion, and then we would um, go get the Pita Pit, which the Pita Pit is still there, and then then we'd go home. We go back to where we are, where where I grew up. So it's a it's a bit of a staple in in like going back there was sort of a lot of memories because everybody's the same amount of wastedness on that main drag but yeah. younger like like yeah, way younger exactly. <laughs> yeah. i played the albion we played uh i think we opened for tristan sionic it was a sonic onion night at the albion yeah yeah i've only been to the album albion once it was always the trash trio when we were there with trigger happy we opened up for the uk subs there and like oh, yeah. big drill car uh who else I think uh, I last time I was there was I was doing merch for the Weaker Dance. Oh yeah, and that was twenty plus years ago. So yeah. it's been a while. I, I was only there the once when I played there. That was about it. Yeah, and, and I keep trying to get into the golf scene, and everyone's just telling me it's just so dead from since COVID. Yeah, like I talked to a few pro promoters, and they're just like, "Yeah, nothing's happening." So. I'm like, Wow. I, I can introduce you to a, a really good promoter. The promoter that does the lowest of the low shows, uh, Emma, is uh, is a really good. She actually is doing a uh, uh, um, did the Weaker Than's uh, compilation, uh, the covers, yeah. uh, and then also is doing one for John K. Sampson, and it's all to support mental mental health awareness and things like that. So, Amazing. yeah, absolutely, cool. yeah, yeah. That's why I'm trying to put my own my own show, shows on and. I've been brainstorming about a lowest of a low show mm -hmm. myself. Uh, just finding the right venue and uh, right venue with the right uh, capacity and production costs. And yeah. So, do you have a band, or is it like? Because obviously, there's a band playing on your recording. Do you do you do take bands out and do the same thing? Um, I would say I do a band show once or twice a year. Um, my drummer. My co-writers are uh, Chris Gormley from The Trues, and uh, he was our drummer back in Snapper, actually, and uh, his brother, Matt Gormley. They had a band called Daylight for Dead Eyes, um, and uh, so I co-write with them, and they are my band uh, when I need one, when I do a CD release party or something like that. Um, but it's rare, because like, the venues I'm playing don't really, they can't really pay that much. Yeah. And, uh, but I did have my full band for the drive-in concerts. Uh, so once or twice a year, I'll, I'll do it when I can. It's tough. It's tough to do because yeah. you need a bigger yeah. vehicle and then you got travel expenses and things like that. Like, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. I totally get it. I'm in a, I play keyboards in a band called Elephants and Stars. Very, like we haven't played a show yet, but they've been a band forever. Manfred yeah. was in a band called Soapbox, which is a yeah. band name you might remember from the early 2000s. Rings a bell. Yeah. Yeah, and but so hard to pull anything together for that yeah. type of thing. I was also in a band called the Fairmounts. We did like a lot of Toronto shows. Yeah, but same thing. Go play the bovine, get ten bucks, go home. You can't live on that. No, God, no. <laughs> I feel like I knew the drummer of the Fairmounts. You might have known uh, Mike or Andrew. Andrew, he Andrew. played with me. Mike Mc, Mc, McMullen, yeah, yeah. McMullen, yeah, yeah. He's a dear. That friend. was back when I, yeah, when I had a. It was a full, full-on cover band 
um, uh, mid like, 2005, 2006, 2007. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, yeah so I hired him a few times. I actually was... A ton of different guys in that band. Tim Oxford. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's definitely. We we just had a a, a bit of a loss. Our bass player uh, Phil had a heart attack and died like last week. So it's been a it's oh been God, it's I'm been so a sorry. tough week. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty tough. But you know, especially on his family, you know. But uh, yeah, man, got to we got to watch what we do now. We're getting older, get more gray in the beard and in the hair, and oh. life can you know life can catch up, you know. So many deaths. I know. Jeez. Crazy. Sad. Yeah. So, so Andrew, yeah, Andrew's a good soul. I just talked to him. The other, oh. I saw him actually on the weekend. I was just, cause his, his, uh, his girlfriend, it plays in a band called, uh, Thunderglove, which is like an, in, they're like, they dress up as barbarians and they do like wow. kind of video game music kind of stuff. And, oh. and the bass player is his girlfriend. So it's, it was kind of funny. Wow. I saw him for litter, probably like a minute. Yeah, he's a good guy. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, so our, let's play another song. We, we're here now. Like, uh, what do you want to hear? Do you want to hear Dad or I Am Enough? Uh, let's do Dad. Uh, so my dad, I'd say we wrote this song two years ago. I wrote it with Matt and Chris warmly. And uh, two years ago, their, my dad wasn't doing well, dementia, cancer, uh, and their dad wasn't doing well. So I'm like, we got to write this song about having that last conversation with a parent and how do you go about it and what do you say and when do you do it? Like, mm -hmm. And um, so their father actually just passed away, I believe, two weeks ago. And my dad, uh, my dad's still going. He's in a, a nursing home now. But um, long story short, um, he's my biggest fan now, but he was not uh, back in the day, like, Back in the snapper days, he didn't. My parents didn't really appreciate what I was doing. Probably like most of our parents, they didn't really support what I was doing. And uh, but now, like I play that nursing home where where he is, and uh, he's got his Woody Woodburn shirt on in the front row in his wheelchair. And uh, so, um, so that song means a lot to me. Um, yeah, it's just about having that last conversation with a parent. That's so cool. It
Yeah, so recording. Yeah, recording. Um, talk us through the process. You know, uh, how how did you do it? Um, so, uh, Chris Gormley, Matt Gormley, and Carl Jennings—they work together quite a bit. Um, Carl Jennings is in a band called uh, Freedom Train. Probably the best cover. I don't even—I don't even like to call them a cover band, but they are a cover band probably the best cover band in, in Canada. And uh, he's an amazing producer. And uh, me, Matt, and Chris get the, the bare bones of the songs together. Uh, we get into the studio and um, um, finish, finish writing the songs together in the studio. Uh, Matt is an unbelievable guitar player, so the guitar ends up in his hands, and, and we uh, finish the writing of the, the songs there. Uh, Carl Jennings' uh, studio is, oh man, I don't even know if I'll uh, think of it, but um, he's in Hamilton. And But one thing I don't like about that process, and I'm going to change that next time, is that all these songs have a different feel because I'm playing them solo. So I want to spend, I need to spend more time playing them on my own so they have my feel. Mm-hmm. and. I'm not, like I said, I'm not a great guitar player. Matt's an unbelievable guitar player. So the song is totally different with the guitar in his hands. So um, that was the process in the past. And uh, going forward, it's going to be more about me um, going forward. Yeah. Do you do any of your own, obviously do your own demos and things like that, right? Just basically at these days, I'm just uh, on my iPhone, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I had. As far as recording goes, like I went to Metalworks in 2004. It was a great plug for Metalworks. <laughs> my my Power Mac was about $4,000, and at a certain point, it was just obsolete, and I couldn't afford it to keep up with the technology. And that's kind of um, when I transitioned back to, to singing. I'm just like, I got to sing. I'm not a producer. I just got to sing. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. But, so. Yeah, so I, I, you know, I I should get more of a studio going at, at this point to take it more seriously, um, but uh, not at this point. Well, I mean, there's something to be said about having your own thing, and that seems to be the norm. Everybody does have their own thing, but one thing it does do is it creates this sort of dissonance about making this great demo and then having to take it to a studio and try to recreate magic you just did in your basement at two in the morning. And there is something to be said about having that magic at two in the morning, but there's also the idea of if you get good at recording, you can still create that magic, even if it's on an hourly uh, clock, you know, because people think differently when they're on the clock, they'll be more decisive and they'll be more like, well, we can't fuck around. We got to get this work done, you know, and it is there is something to be said. I mean, I I like that process of sort of like, hey, we got to have all this done because I got to. We got to be finished at a certain time. And I'm sure like we did have that. And that was one part that I did love in the process with my two EPs is that that magic was happening in that room while it was being, being recorded. We're finished writing, finishing writing as we're recording. So there was a magic in that moment. So that's one thing I did like. Yeah. Yeah. And how, when you write songs, are you obviously, what do you, do you go by premise, then write music around your, like, uh, lyrics around your music? Or do you write lyrics and fit music to the lyrics? What is your process? Uh, usually both at the same time. Um, I feel like I need the chords to get the melody or the words. Um, I'm not the type to sit there and, and write, uh, write just lyrics. So I need both. Yeah. I just do gibberish, and then I make, and then I listen to what I sang. I go, I think that means something, and then yeah. sublimal, subliminally, you you say words sure. that you don't know you're saying, and then it's you know. And I always think when I write a song and I get to a bridge and I can not have a bridge, and then all of a sudden there's a bridge because I, that to me is like a that means the song's a keeper, you know. Sure, yeah. 
should try that. Yeah, it is. Avenue. Just just make up words. You know, I think it's you know, were you ever a Beatles fan? You're a Beatles fan, right? Yeah. Uh, and they get back where John Lennon is saying, just say ham sandwich and then keep saying that until something comes out. I'm like, he's not yeah, wrong. Yeah. There is nothing. There is yeah. actually truth. You don't have to think about what you're going to sing. You know, only R.E.M. can do that. I think what was that monster album where he ad-libbed the whole record or something? I can't remember. One of the songs on there was completely ad-libbed. Can't do well, that. Yeah, no. But I think, I think, um, Sometimes when I'm writing, it, it, it may hold me back that I need the perfect line. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of my problems. I don't write a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't write as often as I would like. Um, and uh, I want those perfect lines. If I'm, you know, if I don't like that line, I just throw it out. But there's probably a good reason to keep that line in there. Yeah. Well, we were t- I was talking a little bit before about Ron Hawkins from Los and Low, and he keeps every song. There's yeah. no throwaways, and that yeah. and if they don't use it on that this past record, they're going to put it on the next record. That is, yeah. that was I found that to be fascinating because it's like you know you how so like Dan Hills like he writes a song a day probably still does, but that was his method of like, cleansing his constitutional like everything is just happens every single day, and then you keep the good and you throw away the bad and you know and if yeah. it's not worth keeping then you know then at least you get it out of the way. And uh, yeah. Ron's completely the opposite. He just keeps every yeah. song. <laughs> it does happen sometimes where you might be trying to, might be, might be writing a chorus, but there's the verse is not coming together, and you might find a verse from a from an old song that works. That's happened yeah. a few times to us. I've never done that. I well, I I tried it, and I've done it, but it never works. It seems like yeah. that shouldn't be with that. That there's always like a, the, and I think it's part of that demoitis that I go through because. I record everything fairly good, and then I expect people to play at that this sort of level that I've given people. Like here, I like that fill so much; I'm so attached to it. And then, you know, we will play in a in a room and like make it sound like the demo. And I try to catch myself, but then it comes out saying, "Make it sound like the demo." Um, (laughs) So, when's your next gigs coming up? What What are you doing? Um. I got a calling Collingwood Brewery this Friday mm-hmm. and uh, Saturday. Um, ski hills, ski hills have been pretty good for me uh, lately. Um, Mansfield ski hill, their private ski hills tend to have a good budget, and uh, so that's what I'm doing this weekend. But it's been a terrible year for the ski hills. I've had a couple. Oh of my days god! Up. Yeah, it's been crazy. No snow, right? No, I know sad yeah well and me losing gigs so yeah that's the sad part you know screw the skiing guys yeah there's no gigs for woody i just played uh in your neck of the woods on saturday slab town cider oh yeah yeah it's just down the road yeah Yeah, i love that that place is great their food's actually we, we we went down there for my mom's uh 80th and uh yeah, it's just up the road and you know there's a place um just north of here called wixon's bridge a pub and they do they have a venue downstairs a little tiny oh, venue cool. you can rent the whole venue for like 150 bucks and all right do okay. your own event bright and see what happens you know so yeah. yeah you know if you ever if you ever do something that let me know because i do play a little bit of acoustic stuff too and i'd love to play some gigs with you and you know if it's around here oh, and if that can yeah. help absolutely let me know because that would be fun um and that also in in uh, curtis our friend curtis uh in Alora. He does shows, and he did a Stephen Stanley show, and he did a Ron Hawkins solo show. Yeah, definitely a good guy to to. Uh, I actually, when we if we get when we get off mic, I'll give you a few. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll get you introduced to some people that I know. There's a guy I know just north of Huntsville that owns a, a bar, a resto bar, restaurant bar, and he does he brings acts up there all the time, and I think he puts mm-hmm. them up for the night and all that stuff too. So, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate the work you do, man, because it's hard work and it's uh, it's not easy. We're getting out of a crazy time. Uh, low pandemic count talk on this one, which is good. I'm always good. I'm always happy about not talking about that yeah. thing. And uh, man, good good luck, and let's keep in touch. Sounds great, man. Thank you so much for having me. And that was Woody Woodburn solo awesome musicianist and uh, all-around nice guy out of rockwood ontario i cannot uh, keep saying that rockwood rockwood if i'd moved to rockwood i live in rockwood Let's go. <laughs>
we come from Rockwood. You know, like that would be one of those kind of like dirty glam bands from the from the seventies. They would come from Rockwood, Ontario. Rockwood, or maybe Rockwood, New York. Rockwood, we're from Rockwood, New York. Check out our new album. It's called Slimy Glamfest. <laughs> Anyways, I kid. Yeah, thanks, Woody, for doing the episode. And uh, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget Spotify. Don't forget to tell your friends. Don't forget to share, like, and show everybody how much you love this podcast. It has been 357 episodes thus far. And we keep rolling. Keep on rolling. I think we'll get to 400, and we'll see what what, what 400 feels like. Uh, And who wants to be the 400th? Well, it's going to be a while. It's probably going to be about a year before we get to the 400th episode, maybe even more. Anyways, if you're around on the 400th episode, remember this Woody Woodburn episode and say, hey, I listened to the 400th or the 357th episode, and now I would like to be a part of the 400th episode because I remember that. That shows that you're a true follower of this awesome podcast. Anyways. Hey, if anybody wants to go check out the Toronto Legends podcast, I'm on that. I will be a guest. I am a guest on that show, and I'm pretty excited to be a part of that. Be sort of wrapped up with a bunch of real legends of Toronto. Like, uh, I don't know. Check it out. There's a bunch of people on that on that that you got to check out. And, and I'm there, too. And I talk about this Lois Low documentary. I talk a little bit about Platinum Blonde. I talk a little bit about being what it's like to be in a band or did i yeah a little bit and uh I, you know i will not try to let be now considered a toronto legend to let this go to my head so anyways thank you so much everybody for listening to this episode i will see you again hopefully in a week or so have a great one i my my news resolution is to put up more episodes uh, and i will try that for you and we'll see how that goes you know promises okay have a great week we'll see you bye